this woman had said to the group, she goes, oh, my boyfriend's going to buy me a BMW, a new Beamer. Obviously, it was before I started making all these working mistakes. I mean, look at my hair today. Uh, certainly has changed. It took a toll on me, as you can see. And I even now, I remember thinking, I, uh, this is there's something wrong here. Like, there's something risky here. And I have a very painful story. We got pennies on the dollar. I recently posted a video on 26 rookie mistakes that are made by investors of all experiences, not just rookies. The goal was to point out some of the most common mistakes to help you avoid them. Well, one of our viewers, Kevin, sent off a comment and Kevin said, can you make a video of these mistakes and how you do not make them in your own investing? It would be helpful to see how you have overcome these mistakes with your own investing instead of saying these things without presenting examples of investing with your own actual skin in your game. Kudos to you, Kevin, for not just saying, hey, yeah, easy for you to say what the mistakes are. Let's see what mistakes you've made and how, uh, how you've learned from your experiences. And so in this video today, I'm, I'm not going to cover off all 26, but I am going to peel off four of these mistakes that I've identified that I've learned the hard way. And when I, when I say hard way, I mean the costly way. Uh, yes, I have made money. I have lost money. I'm hoping that if I share some of my learning experiences, let's call them some of my rookie mistakes with you, it will help you further your investment game uh, as well. For those of you who are new to this channel, my name is Mark. And uh, on the channel, we make videos for fellow Canadians uh, with the goal of helping uh, them improve their investment and financial lives. So welcome to the channel. Nice to have you along. The first rookie mistake that I'm going to share with you that I've made personally is uh, goes back about 20, ooh, goes back a long time. It goes back to the mid 80s. So I would have been in my mid 20s, I guess at the time. And it was sort of a classic uh, buying uh, penny stocks. When I was working in my mid 20s, I had a career in the airline industry. And uh, yes, there's a quick shot of me here. If you can believe it, look at all that uh, that brown hair. Well, that obviously was before I started making all these working mistakes. I mean, look at my hair today. Uh, certainly has changed. It took a toll on me, as you can see. Um, I was working, as I say, in the airline industry. And one of the things that I guess in a lot of industries people do is people chat. And it happened to be a counterpart uh, of ours who worked for another airline was dating a fellow who worked back. For those of you who are old enough to remember, and if you're from the Vancouver area, you'll remember the Howe Street Gang, uh, the Murray Pesms of the world. And there's a whole cadre of these guys who uh, were, you know, they made a million, lose a million, made a million, lose a million. And so this person, that this counterpart in the business, was dating a fellow, a friend of Murray's, I believe, and um, they had some information that they would share with the other co-workers as to some hot tips, stocks that you might want to buy. And I wasn't too big on buying the penny stocks at the time. However, I do remember one incident in particular that was has stuck with me forever. And, and it, it is a classic pump and dump scheme as is so often so prevalent in this penny stock area. But what happened in this case was this woman had said to the group, she goes, oh, my boyfriend's going to buy me a BMW, a new Beamer. And we all thought, oh, that's nice. And she said, she gave us the name of a ticker. I have no idea what it was. It was a long time ago. I've totally forgot what it was. But she said, um, follow this ticker. It's trading at, I'm going to make up a number right now because I don't remember the number, but it's trading at 20 cents right now. Next week, it's going to go up to 40. It's going to double. I remember that context. And then it's going to, he's going to buy me a car and then it's going to go back down. And I watched this with great interest as we all did. And sure enough, sure as shooting, uh, the, comp the stock, whatever pennies it was trading at, it literally doubled the following week. And then a few days after that, it was right back to, to where it was. And it, it taught me how it easy it is for these insiders to manipulate the price uh, of penny stocks. And, uh, you know, we, we, like I say, we talk about pump and dump, and this is a classic example. And if you're not one of those insiders, 
yes, you can make a ton of money if you buy a two cent stock and it goes to four cents. Uh, but the risk that you take involving in these is uh, is just too uh, too stressful. Uh, for me, I found out even as a younger investor that the whole concept of penny stock investing was just too expensive. Rookie mistake number one is going out just buying penny stocks without doing any research on them because you know it's the next greatest thing, and uh, that can um, that can really come to haunt you if you're not careful. The second rookie mistake that I personally have made, uh, which is number eight on that list of 26 I referred to earlier, is not understanding how an investment works. In the mid-2000s, I made an investment into what was called the Pro-Hedge Capital Preservation Fund. And um, think of the context at the time. And the uh, we'd come out of the tech crash. So the tech crash, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, we're sort of getting back to normal. The markets had done quite well. And the uh, markets had climbed to a point where um, I was getting a little bit worried that the markets might be overheated. And this investment, the Pro-Hedge Capital Preservation uh, Fund, uh, in its you know in its information that they sent out the marketing information they specified the fund is designed to preserve capital through low risk performance derived from a diversified basket of arbitrage style hedge fund investments uncorrelated to stock or bond markets and at the time uh, hedge funds were really the exclusive domain of the ultra ultra wealthy and yet this type of a, a new investment came along where it allowed the average person to participate in hedging uh, as well. And so this sounded like a really uh, good idea to me. But as we got closer, you know, as we went along, um, uh, when the markets, you know, again, going through their recoveries, uh, I did start to get a little bit of worried. And what really caused me some concern was um, when I communicated with ProHedge, their office was in one of the Ontario towns, Mississauga, maybe Burlington, one of those towns. When I was trying to communicate with them, the answers, the explanations of to uh, how the investments were doing, were quite vague. In fact, they were unsettlingly vague to the point where I decided, you know, I, I, I don't have confidence in this company or in this investment anymore, so I need to take my money out of the investment. Well, uh, this is where I learned my lesson real hard. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. Because um, had I understood how the investment works, I would have known that you can't just redeem the investments like you can go out and sell shares of Royal Bank anytime you want. Uh, I was aware that there was a 30-day uh, limit, a 30-day notice that you had to give. But what I didn't read was the fine print that said, essentially, if the company at their discretion decides that it would be in the shareholders' best interests not to redeem units, they could suspend those redemptions. And I learned when I placed that redemption order and it got queued up and I was following up and going, why isn't this trading? Why isn't this trading? I learned that they had in fact um, suspended the redemptions and uh, 
I'll make this long story short. This was a multi-year process of getting some return on my money back. I didn't get it all back. Uh, I got nothing initially. And of course, what led up uh, to this was the uh, the, the uh, great financial crisis. And as we're going through that, the company basically said, you know, the assets that we had, even though this fund was designed to protect on the downside, to preserve your capital, they failed mightily. And so uh, as they unwound this investment, uh, we got pennies on the dollar that came out after that. So that was a, uh, a pretty expensive lesson for me to learn um, is not understanding the intricacies. And this is, comes down and not, not a lot of people want to read the prospectus. Uh, on, on an investment that goes out. Uh, I did a, uh, another video fairly recently on another, not a comparable directly, but on uh, split share corporations, which is another type of investments that a lot of people don't understand. If that's something that you own or you're considering owning, uh, maybe th considering checking out this video uh, that talks specifically about the ins and outs of those funds, because again, um, they, the yields look really attractive on them. I'm not saying they're not appropriate for you, but a lot of people buy them without understanding uh, you know, what they're even buying in the first place. So I get burned. I got burned on that uh, back in the day. And I'm hoping that uh, that's not something that you'll repeat uh, yourself. So let's move on now to the third uh, lesson, the third rookie mistake that I personally made that uh, hopefully we won't repeat again. On the list of 26, number 22 is false buy signals. And specifically, I spoke about things like price to earnings ratios, relative strength index indicators, things that you might watch uh, that would indicate whether a company is overvalued or undervalued. And so uh, the, the concept was if just because a company has a low PE ratio or just because it's trading at a P, uh, RSI, you know, under 30, it doesn't mean you run out and invest in it. You always have to do your due diligence, do your homework first. That can be a first uh, signal, but you don't go out and buy just because of that. Well, my big mistake, one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made financially was kind of the flip of that. It wasn't a false uh, buy signal it was a false sell signal. And in this case, there was a company that I had, I was an investor in, and it was trading at a, a climbing multiple, a PE multiple that just kept going up and up and up. And uh, it got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. I just, all my training said that there is, um, there's danger here. So I sold out of the position. And for those of you who uh, aren't jumping the gun, taking one step ahead, of course, that company was Amazon. And we all know what's ha happened to Amazon. Uh, in the in the uh, in the interim since then if we look at this chart this was back in the uh, around the 2013 area and uh, the company had gone i remember specifically it had gone over a price to earnings multiple of 200 and um, i just thought that's too rich for my blood so I, I exited out of the position now of course when we overlay that with the timing of the pe going over 200 and the price of the, the share price going up from then is you know we can see it's, it's been basically an uphill ride since that time what i failed to do my rookie mistake was to uh, not look beyond that multiple and so with that high uh, 200 pe my uh, my intuition was I, i've got to exit this position which i did but uh, there's good reasons, and there can be good reasons why a company might be trading at a multiple that uh, normally wouldn't look good, but it might be. And in this case, I mean, clearly, when you think of Amazon, uh, they had no real competition at the time. People would argue even today they, they don't. Uh, Bezos's uh, stated goal was to take all of the earnings and pump them back into the company. So that would artificially uh, inflate 
that price to earnings ratio. Uh, so there were good reasons. And if I had done my proper work, if I hadn't just reacted to that multiple, I would have perhaps seen that, had comfort in it and held on to the position. And uh, I do own uh, Amazon again today, but I was out of it for a period of time until I, I got to know the company a little bit better and, and had more confidence, uh, confidence in it. So yeah, that was a rookie mistake that I made was to, uh, in this case, uh, I, I fell for a false sell signal. I didn't do enough work behind the scenes to confirm that what I was seeing was accurate. The fourth rookie mistake that I made, and this was a big one and it cost me a lot of money and it lives with me to this day, was on the list that I put up previously, number 23, not taking profits. And I have a very painful story. Uh, there's a company that's based out of Burnaby, BC called Ballard Power. And a lot of people may have heard of that, but certainly back in the 90s, this was the darling of the industry, of the tech industry. And, you know, during those times, the, the market, every, everything was going up and Ballard had this fuel cell that they had developed. And the goal was to put fuel cells in all the vehicles on the planet, basically. And I, I remember um, the concept that by 2010, which seemed like a long time, it was more than a decade out uh, when I started buying these shares, that uh, the you know the the world fleet would be converted to fuel cells and and I I did I liked the story and I took a what I would say a reasonable position in Ballard Power and over I think three different tranches I bought into the company from um, initially below uh, ten dollars a share seven or eight ish in that range and the la the most recent uh, the, the the last purchase I made was up in the fifteen dollar range well um, when the when the company took off. Um, I enjoyed the ride. As you can see from this chart here, the, the share price basically went straight up and it, it topped out at around $200 a share. And I owned a uh, thousand shares at the time. So I, I had, um, as a younger investor, even today, I mean, that's a big, big chunk of money that I uh, had that I could have cashed out. And I, even now I remember thinking, I, this is, there's something wrong here. Like there's something risky here. Uh, should I put a, a stop loss order in, or should I just trim my position? And um, the I guess as you probably figured out, uh, because the uh, in the day everything was going up, everything was going to continue to go up, and I did get caught up in that. And uh, so, uh, so no, I didn't sell any of the position, and I wrote it all the way back down. And I vowed at the time that I would never, ever, ever sell those shares of Ballard Power as as, wor you know, as worthless as, or as, as lowest value as they became. And I've lived true to that. To this day, I still own uh, shares of Ballard Power and they're in my portfolio to remind me of this. And so, you know, today it forms a very small portion of my investments overall. Now, I did actually learn from that experience and I'll, I'll uh, show you why. In uh, February of 2021, uh, you know, I, I said I would own these shares forever and I do live to that, but this, the share price of Ballard had gone up quite a bit leading up to the middle or the early part of 2021. And in February of 2021, I actually trimmed my position. I maintained 500 shares, but I did trim my position. And as you can see from the chart, it turns out that uh, my lesson was good because I did actually end up uh, saving a bunch of money. I didn't make a bunch of money on it, but I did save a bunch of money by trimming that position. So I have learned through some of the rookie mistakes I've made. My question to you, what is the worst rookie mistake that you've ever made? Doesn't matter whether you're a beginner, doesn't matter whether you're a seasoned veteran, we all make them. I would love to hear your stories. Please do share those with us. I thank you very much for watching the video and I look forward to seeing you in the next video.